working late hours and other things, you are sacrificing the social side of things, right? Uh, you are maybe not talking to your parents every single day, which they may mind sometimes. You may not be going out with your friends um, every weekend, which they may mind as well. So I think because of that, I've also lost quite a few friends along the way. Raitika Saraswat, a true force of change, founded a remarkable non-profit organization called Redefined, dedicated to improving the lives of individuals from non-traditional backgrounds. Someone had said that, you know, it's important to realize you're not the main character in everyone's story. And I think that's, again, very powerful, right? Like, you know, um, yeah, just focus on yourself because no one else is really looking at you. Through Redefined, Raidika has made a profound impact, positively influencing the lives of over 20,000 people across four countries. Self-doubt comes from the fact, hey, if I mess up today, will the other person not give me a job? Hey, if I mess up today, am I embarrassing myself and that other person won't want to be friends with me? You know, it's all based on what we think others think of us. Before we let the stories of the past shape your future, it will mean the world to me if you could follow us or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us. Enjoy the conversation. So, without any further ado, Brandon, let the stories of the past shape your future on the Quoting Life Podcast. The first questions we typically ask our guests tend to do with their background and how that's impacted their journey today. And what I'm asking you is not necessarily to give me your journey as a whole, but more so those specific moments growing up that impact your decisions today and who you are. I know you're someone who's really involved with impact. And I'm just curious to see, is there, when I looked into your childhood, went back in time, would I find any like moments where I'd be, oh, well, this makes sense. Her mom was a lot into impact. Her mom helped a lot of people out. Her dad did this. Is there, would I see any signs that would help me understand the person you are today? Yeah, I'm sure you would because like, to be very honest, I think it's like, I think for everyone, you're bringing frames who you are as a person or who you go on to become. And I think like uh, from a very young age, I think a question my mom always asked me every single day was, what impact did you create today? And I feel like when I was younger, I never really understood that because I was like, how do you expect me to just create impact in a day, right? Because I think what I thought of impact as through social media, what I heard was like, you know, when you're impacting 100 people at a time, 2000 people, this and that, the big numbers. Uh, but I think she made me realize very early on that impacts not about the number, but it's more about the quality, right? Whether it be even putting a smile on one person's face in the day, that counts as impact. So I think um, the fact that it meant so much to her that more than grades, more than anything else that most parents cared about, it was the impact piece that she cared most about. I think and about being a good human. So I think it was just a combination of that upbringing combined with the exposure that I got uh, to a lot of people. Like at a young age, I was actually surrounded by people quite older to me. And I actually enjoyed that company because I feel like the way I thought about things was very different from people my age. Like, you know, people my age were on social media, this and that. Even I'm on social media. But, you know, I was more different in terms of how I was leveraging it as compared to others around me. So I think it was a combination of my environment coupled with my mom's specific guidance. And, yeah, you know, her nudging me into certain areas that definitely I think I, I don't think it's one moment, but I think it would be a combination of all of those different factors. You said there that growing up, you felt that like you were different. I'm curious as to what do you exactly mean by that? How did you feel different in what way? 
Yeah, I think in multiple ways. I always say there's this one talk I'd given about being an outlier. I think I've been an outlier my entire life. Like even today I am. And I think that's not a bad thing, right? That's a good thing because most of us are outliers. It's just the criteria that we use to define someone who's an outlier or not is what differs across. Uh, you know, so I think uh, it's, it's something good because it means you're unique or you're different in certain ways. And each one of us are different in certain ways. Uh, but I think like for me, like... The reason I say is like when I was younger, instead of hanging out with people my age, I had a tendency to hang out with people like, you know, I hung out a lot with my parents and their friends, as an example. I hung out a lot with career professionals or people who are running companies, etc. from a very early age. So, you know, I was having when people were talking about boyfriends and girlfriends, what I was talking about more so was companies starting up, you know, how do you start a startup, you know, uh, more on the business side of things, you know, uh, unlike at least like I come from India originally. Right. So unlike a lot of the cultures in India where, you know, the girl always is involved in the home side of things, the boys are the ones that are involved in like, you know, the investment side, the, you know, the the business side of things. But uh, I was always considered kind of like the boy of my family in a way. It's funny why mm. they even use that term. I mean, a girl can also do everything, but they did use that term, you know, uh, which was to kind of emphasize how it was unlike a lot of the other people in my family, at least, and a lot of people around me, whereby I was highly involved in the business from the very beginning i started earning from a very early age compared to the normal standards in india like here in north america it's common to start earning once you're 16 but there it's very uncommon like people start earning when they're 22 as an example i started earning way long before that so i think that was also something different when i came to university also uh, i was someone who stayed at home uh, during friday nights working on an assignment or working on my non-profit or startup and you know coming up with ideas versus going to a frat party etc you know so i definitely missed out on a lot of things uh, that a lot of people may say but I think it happened for the better because I think one thing I always had in mind is if uh, my end goal looks very different compared to everyone else around me that is more of a reason to say I should not be doing what everyone else around me is doing you know I don't know if that makes sense mm -hmm. but I think that's what I always thought and I still think to this day so you know like it's 8 30 p.m here most people have to get off work and go off and some people may say oh you don't have work-life balance but I think it's just me right like I just enjoy doing what I do so I just enjoy being with my laptop <laughs> my favorite buddy and yeah yeah Ritika it sounds like you've already got everything figured out and you you have a goal in mind and you're rushing straight to it what is your ultimate goal and what about the goal like motivates you so much to work yeah first of all i would say heads up i'm I definitely don't have things figured out i think it's like there may be certain components of it on certain days, which I'm like, okay, you know, I have my day figured out today. But I think you can never have a goal figured out. And the reason I say that is because there are so many moving factors to your life, right? Overall, there's family, you know, your health, uh, there are professional goals, personal goals as well. And I think when all of those come together, there's something always shifting here and there. So I feel like, A, that's definitely not figured out. But I would say there's definitely a goal I have in mind. I don't think I could put... Um, uh, an exact definition to what that goal is. But I think one of, there are two, three things, right? One is definitely I want to keep impacting people. I think that is my biggest goal is to impact as many people as I can. So that I think one thing I always think about is the day I leave 
this world or whatever, you know, I do leave my footprints behind. That's very important to me. You know, what would people say if I am to pass away today? Uh, what would people talk about me? And I think those are important things. Like if I do pass away, like things like, you know, she was someone who influenced people. She was someone who created a change in people's life. Those kind of terminologies, you know, she was a change maker. She was a visionary. Those are terminologies I want to people to recollect when they think about me. And she was someone who worked hard. Um, you know, that's also very important to me. So I think it's not about the end goal at the end of the day, but I think what matters to me is the process. And if people will respect me for that process. So I would say that one one way. And obviously, you know, you break that goal down and have several short-term goals coming up. And I obviously have a list of those lined up. But um, yeah, that would be, I think, the end goal. Or at least that's how I like to think of it. And my main motivation would just be is like, you know, Coming back to my upbringing and everything is just about impacting people as simple as that. Uh, and sometimes it may take a different form. It may be through consulting, for example, where you're indirectly impacting a client who then works with those marginalized communities. Or maybe sometimes it's directly through my organization, the work I do, or through some of the posts that I put out, which maybe create a sense of belonging and normalcy among a few individuals. Yeah. I know you mentioned there the importance of having a good when you pass away, in the sense that that's how you envision it. So the word that comes to mind for me is legacy. And that's something that's always puzzled me because I've never been quite um, attached to leaving an, an important legacy behind because in my mind, it's just, I'm dead. Who, who really cares at that point? And I'm, yeah. I'm so curious as to see what's your reasoning behind the importance of leaving a legacy behind. Yeah, I think it's because of my identity as well. Uh, I'm a woman of color, right? I uh, moved to Canada six years ago, um, a foreign land, if you were to say, uh, not knowing anyone in a way and being different from the others in terms of my accent, in terms of the way I look. So I think very early on in life, I also realized even while I was back home in India, being a woman specifically, being a member of a certain marginalized community, that your identity or having a name for yourself becomes more important because it then inspires so many others to do certain things that you do. Uh, you know, yesterday I was at a talk and one thing I said to the audience was, uh, when I was younger, very, very, like not even born, to be honest, there were some people, uh, not my parents, obviously, who had conversations that, you know, why do you want to have a girl child? She's going to just be a burden, right? Like you rather just drop it uh, <laughs> and go ahead with it. But I think my parents didn't do that, right? And they have been so like, you know, supportive of me this entire time. And I think all of that to say that that privilege that I've been given to even come abroad, pursue my dreams, which almost like 600 million girls in India, out of which only 40% get the opportunity to do so. I think I feel privileged enough to be able to do that. Uh, and I think because I've gotten that opportunity, it's so important for me to set an example uh, for those certain parents, for those certain people who have that close-minded perspective to realize that, hey, this is what a girl can achieve if you even give her one opportunity, you know? So I think that's why the legacy becomes important so that there are so many other more capable people out there. I definitely know where I'm as cap capable, but I know there are so many people who are, and hopefully uh, me giving a little bit of visibility uh, to women, women of color in certain ways and the capabilities could give them more opportunities. I'm also wondering, because you mentioned legacy and you keep on bringing up the fact that your parents supported you a lot and uh, you get that impact from, from your mom and your mom's teachings. Yeah. And I'm wondering because even throughout, you know, my life, I'm wondering is what I'm doing for me or is what I'm doing for 
my parents? Am I living out? Am I living out my parents' dreams, or am I living out my own dreams? And I'm wondering if you've ever been confronted with that, seeing how your mom like has a big focus on impact, and then you seem to translate that as well. Yeah, I think it's different though, right? Like everyone pursues impact in different ways. I think if I were to go by my parents' ideal idea, that would be. I think they never even had an ideal, right? Like my mom, like for example, from a very young age, as I mentioned before, she never even emphasized on grit because she never wanted to be someone who dictates my life in any way or who influences mm. what my goals look like. But I think a simple thing she always said is, no matter what you do, how you do it. Just make sure impact is at least one of the outcomes that you're creating. So I think I've just definitely picked up on that part. And you know, like my doctor, uh, my dad actually is from the healthcare industry. So if anything, his goal would be that if I become a doctor. But I think I never felt that pressure in any way. Um, and I think initially when I came to Canada, I came with the goal of pursuing kinesiology, right? To ultimately become a doctor, because at that point I wasn't sure what I want to do, so I just went by something my parents suggested to me, you know. But as soon as I figured out that hey, there are other ways of creating an impact beyond just a particular profession, like becoming a doctor, that's when I started, you know, my non-for-profit journey, my journey of coaching and career consulting international students, and they were very supportive of it. So I think that impact idea still stayed consistent. Only the way I pursued the impact was what changed. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you have any personal stories with your non-for-profit、uh, redefined. For me, I was in a club that worked with a social enterprise that kind of did some consulting for a micro solar irrigation system in Africa, and I was able to get some hands-on things. And but it was a small company; it was a small team. I'm wondering what is different about your non-for-profit and What work do you do to empower these marginalized communities? Yeah, I, I'll definitely share a personal story, but also to give the audience context is like you know, I think the our main goal has always been like obviously we started about a year and a half ago, and our goal has always been to empower people from marginalized communities, specifically with a focus on BIPOC communities, right?、Uh, within Canada, that falls mostly like as international students coming in, and、uh, we also operate like in Canada,、uh, in India, in a few cities, and even in Africa, specifically in Ghana, Uganda, and Nigeria, where also a lot of work.、Is Is towards empowering those underrepresented communities, or rather, like communities coming from those low socioeconomic backgrounds, mainly through provision of access to education, right? And when I say education, it's not just academic; it's more so education focused on two areas. Like one is this social issue aspect of things, creating awareness, whether it be in topics like sexual and menstrual education,、uh, awareness around sexual abuse, as、uh, as an example, and even more、um, broader. Uh, philosophical kind of topics such as those of like you know dealing with imposter syndrome, stress, anxiety,、uh, beauty standards, because I think those are highly relevant today, especially with the target audience that we look at, ranging from fifteen all the way to twenty five years old.、Um, and I think like the second way is through provision of access to resources. Right, most of these resources may come in the form of like you know textbooks and pens for certain communities versus menstrual products for certain communities because they are expensive in certain areas. Unfortunately, they are expensive.、Uh, 
whereas they should actually be free. Uh, even in Canada, it's not made free yet. Uh, so maybe that also needs to change. Uh, but I think it's kind of like just making sure no one feels like they do not have what it takes. And I think sometimes all people need is one opportunity and one person to believe in them. And uh, we are hoping that Redefined becomes that one person on that one organization for them. Uh, you know, and I think a story that just comes to mind from both perspectives, from like the work that we do in Canada versus in the other areas is, I remember for a lot of the networking events that we organize for international students, we've had a lot of people come in who have just recently moved to Canada and, you know, it's their first networking event ever in life. And they all come in full with anxiety, full with a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of cultural shock. But I think just coming in a space where they see people who look like them and people who may not even look like them, but are so open to kind of giving them the space, giving them the platform to talk about themselves, their experiences, what they bring to the table, I think just has a whole another influence on them. Right. And I think I've had students, some of them crying as well. I have had students who have traveled very far, like two hour trains just to come and make it to the event, uh, just to kind of push themselves out of their comfort zone, which is something we really you know, kind of nudge them to do. And I think like in Africa, especially like the Ghana program that we did, which has been the biggest like one time program where we cater to about 500 students actually from five different schools. So 100 students each uh, was where we run workshops on menstrual and sexual education. And uh, we take surveys right at the beginning and the end. So at the end of the survey, it was uh, interesting to see how students were like, you know what, I feel proud of my body. Uh, because in Ghana, mm. there is this idea that um, menstruation is considered a sin. It's as if like the devil resides in you so a lot of like women don't actually show up to schools when they're on their periods they miss their education uh, right uh, the parents even remove their girls from home um because they're like your menstrual products are too expensive to buy. So either figure it out or survive with just using cloth as an example. So I think just being able to see the shift in their mindset and them feeling okay with their bodies, even if not very happy about their bodies yet, but at least them shifting the mindset from not being happy about it to being okay with their bodies and being like, you know what, this is normal. I'm not a devil just for bleeding or having the normal things going on. So I think that was the biggest um impact i wasn't in person there but i think online the pictures and the testimonials i saw i think that was yeah yeah i mean it's shocking when you think that you know people can't go to school because of something of natural occurrence in the human body yeah and me and brandon talked to someone that was in the education space a couple of days ago and they said like there, there's two sides to it right there's the side where some people don't have access to education they can go to school but then there's also the other side that people don't consider that well, what about the people that don't have adequate food? What about the people that, you know, like in Uganda, what's happening? Yeah. Those people also can go to school the same way that someone should be going to school, right? So there's this whole other aspect to education as well. Um, something I want to ask you is you mentioned that a couple of students that you've been interacting with have imposter syndrome. And when Brandon said you seem to have it figured out, you backtracked and said no. And why I'm sensing a, a sense of, imposter syndrome within you is because of something that happened to me personally. And I was on, I was playing basketball and I wanted to get on my, you know, on, on the starting position on my team. And the yeah. coach granted me that position. Yet I didn't feel like I deserved it because I felt like there was so many better players than me at that time. So what I did is I worked so hard to the point where I injured myself just to prove that imposter syndrome wrong. And I know that you're an extremely hard worker as well. And I'm wondering if, do you work so hard to prove your imposter syndrome wrong? Is that something you've ever considered? 
Not really, I would say, because I feel like imposter syndrome plays out when you are questioning yourself, uh, self-questioning and self-doubt, right? Uh, there are times when I have those, but I think um, I am someone who's very confident. Uh, I think the reason I always say this to people is, uh, and this is re a reality, right? I'm definitely never... Uh, the smartest person in the room. I'm definitely not the most successful person in the room. I'm definitely not the most connected person in the room. But the reason I still may get opportunities as compared to others is because of certain things that I do on a day-to-day -day basis, because of the work I put into the things that I do. So I think I know that I, I have that confidence because I know not even being the smartest person, I can make things work for myself. Uh, but I think like with what Brandon pointed out is, you know, like I think no one can ever have things figured out, if that makes sense. Because you can have, okay, you can say you have it figured out, but I'm sure it's not going to turn out the way you have figured it out. Because life changes, right, day to day. You never know if you are even alive the next day <laughs> to be the reality, right? So I think that's why like that terminology, I just be very cautious when I use it because I feel like, especially like being, being in the creator space as well, when you put out so many persons, so many people are reading it, you want to be mindful of the terms you use because sometimes those are trigger terms for a lot of people and especially when I've worked with students also in this space who have high levels of stress and anxiety something like figured out getting promoted successful can be those trigger words because a lot of people don't have that right what success means to one person may not mean to other what being figured out means to one person may not mean to someone else so I think because of that discrepancy in the definition I try to stay away from those terms <laughs> let's just say that but I think that I definitely I'm human so I definitely have moments where there is imposter syndrome coming through and I think a lot of it stems from comparison at the end of the day right I think the day you remove comparison from your life or instead Instead, direct comparison to more of a self-comparison, whereby you compare your current self to your previous self or the future self you want to become. Uh, that's when I think uh, the imposter syndrome, there's a lesser of a tendency for it to enter uh, versus when you start comparing externally. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a lot of management of that. And it's not easy, especially being on social media. Not at all. Yeah. So if it's not imposter syndrome, I'm wondering, is there a cost to you working so hard? Because I was reading an article the other day and it was saying that typically our talents actually come with a dark side. So I know for me is I usually tend, uh, tend to aim very, very high. And that sometimes comes at a cost that dismissing things that are actually beneficial to me on a on something that I don't consider uh, time worthy for myself. And that's cost me at times. So I'm wondering, is there a cost with your hard work or some of your talents? Yeah, uh -huh. like I think there's a cost to everything, right? You just have to balance out what's the return on investment <laughs> at times and things, uh, not just in business, but in life as well. And I think for me also, like there's a balance I try to draw. Uh, I may not be the best at it, but I think I try my best is like, Obviously, when you're working late hours and other things, you are sacrificing the social side of things, right? Uh, you are maybe not talking to your parents every single day, which they may mind sometimes. You may not be going out with your friends um, every weekend, which they may mind as well. So I think because of that, I've also lost quite a few friends along the way. But to be honest, I'm also grateful for that journey because... I feel like the right people stick around, you know, um, and you want to have the right people around you. Uh, even yesterday, someone asked me this question that, you know, you, you know, how do you figure out the fitting in stuff? And I feel like sometimes a lot of us 
change our goals uh, or don't commit to some of our goals because we have that fear of missing out because we have the fear of hey if i don't show up to this my friends are going to be upset and i'm going to be removed from the group you know why have that group in the first place if that something as small as that could lead you to be removed from that group so i feel like the first thing i would say to anyone is like also is like a piece of advice hidden in there is like you know cut out people who pull you down in a way or who are preventing you from becoming the person you are because i think a lot of people always get influenced oh i need 10 friends 20 friends there's no number to it it's quality over quantity even if you have just one person but who's there as a support system that's more than enough and i have come to facts with that and i think i realized it uh, in a hard way right what friendship really means so i think that is also a big component of it i don't know if i answered your question and just moved around <laughs> i hope i did answer it no no definitely yeah yeah ritika um a lot of people in the world want to create impact they want to leave behind a legacy and they want to make a positive impact in the world how does someone who have these ambitious goals create something like redefined what steps did you take to create your nonprofit what actions did you do how did you find a team what was the process like for you No, definitely. And I would say, like, first thing is, like, I always say this, and a lot of people are get confused when I say it. It's like, just do it. Just start with it. It's as simple, but yet as complicated as that. A lot of people said that to me, and I think initially I never understood it. But I think once you just start the process, you can do it. Like, it's like if you, how do I say, it? like, you know, a lot of like, I don't know, on Shark Tank, if a lot of you watch it, but uh, a lot of times founders will always ask, the investors will always ask the founders, are you working full time on this, or are you still working somewhere else? And the reason they ask that is because when you're full time into your startup, you have no backing, you don't have a plan B, so you just have to make it work. Because guess what? There's no going back, kind of a thing. So I feel like similarly starting anything, you just have to do it. You know, you should not have that plan B as an option in the first place. And I think the way I started with it is, you know, what's the first step to start a nonprofit? Get it incorporated. As simple as that. Okay, how much money do I need for it? I need two hundred bucks to get it incorporated. So get it incorporated. I'm not sure what I'm going to do within the nonprofit. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. But I come up with a name on one day. And I incorporated the next day. Well, the first step is done. Non-profit made. Second step: start a social media page. Not sure what I'm going to post there, but start a social media page on LinkedIn and Instagram. Okay, company is the organization is set up. Now let's get to the work and the team. So you know, I think it's like one process at a time. But at the same time, I think it's like a lot of us overthink things many times, and that delays the process of execution. And I think that is the biggest difference between someone who's an entrepreneur versus someone who's more fit for working at a company. Uh, the reason I say that is because being an entrepreneur cannot be very methodical. You know, it's something you have to just go with the flow. Like I never had a team in the first place, but I was like, you know what? We'll figure it out when that thing comes. When it becomes important and necessary to build a team, we will figure it out. But for now, the process is just starting it out. So starting out initially, like a lot of the initiatives, I was running by myself. You know, then I would just post about it on social media, and then few people would come along and join. I would get my friends involved as well, provide incentives and benefits to people. And slowly, when I realized, okay, this is gaining traction, and there was more and more events that we had to organize i knew now is the time to find a team and what happened was while we were doing that networking always stayed to the core with me and my organization it has always been the biggest part of us networking and collaborations you don't need to do things alone i think that's the mistake a lot of entrepreneurs do they like i want to do everything by myself i want to be 
I only want my name to be out there. No, why? If there are other established organizations out there, leverage their help. Reach out to them saying, hey, you are doing some incredible work. I am here starting out right now. I would just love to learn from you and maybe work with you on a certain event. Why don't we put something together, right? Why don't we host something together? Why don't I leverage your resources and help further your name while I do the, uh, do the same for myself? You know, I think it's those ideas like that that can really help kind of like get things started and never wait for the right time. There is never a right time, you know, uh, technically. So I think it's just about like, you know, get started and whatever that get started means for you, whether it be first building a team, whether it be first getting incorporated, whatever feels right to you. I think that is something that should be done because everyone will give you a different advice. And, you know, starting a nonprofit is similar to starting a startup. Honestly, the only difference is now any funds you make, you're actually putting it back into the non-for-profit, you know? So I think, yeah, so think like an entrepreneur when you're even planning to start your organization and uh, collaborate, collaborate a lot and network. And maybe that's that's the key, right? You said just do it. And maybe that comes back to what we were talking about earlier is the key to not having imposter syndrome is being okay with not having it figured out. Yeah. And that's how you give that impression that you have figured, that you have things yeah. figured out. It's when you actually, you're comfortable with it not being figured out because at the end of the day, life is so unpredictable and I'm sure you have that mindset as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I 100% agree. There's also something that um, uh, Jay Shetty once said in one of the interviews, which I really stood out to me. He said, I'm okay with not being understood. And I think that is so, Mm. so powerful because I think a lot of us do so many things just for the sake of, okay, what is, what is the other person thinking about me? If I do this, what will the other person think? And imposter syndrome stems from that, right? That self-doubt comes from the fact, hey, if I mess up today, will the other person not give me a job? Hey, if I mess up today, am I embarrassing myself and that other person won't want to be friends with me? You know, it's all based on what we think others think of us. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a bit confusing to say, but I think it's all based on that. And we determine a lot of our actions just based on that idea. So I think we should kind of shift that to just focus on ourselves and how do we think about ourselves and not how we think someone else thinks about us. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, Brenda, go ahead. Oh, uh, you can go ahead if you have a question. Yeah, no, I completely, I was just going to like agree with you. And, and and I think that's, that's the key. And we're definitely missing, I think that message out there. And I think a lot of it has been propagated through social media, honestly, um, seeing how, you know, all these, you know, successful people seems to have, like have it figured out. And I, I think what would really help is just showing that vulnerability sometimes and saying that, Hey, like, I don't necessarily, you know, I mean, like fully figured out, I'm just going with the floor and just doing it. And I'm sure as a leader, that's something that, you exemplify as well. Yeah, no, I think that's always been the key for me, right? Like even I think my journey with LinkedIn started in the first place with the whole idea of being as authentic as I can. And what I meant by that is being my true self, uh, which is very difficult, right? Especially when you have certain number of people looking at you every single day. But I think I, I, I make sure that that's something that stays true to me because, you know, I come with flaws. I definitely do. I'm human, right? Uh, not everything about me is going to appeal to certain people. Uh, sometimes me popping on, uh, popping up on someone's feed every single day could be annoying to some people, could be inspiring to others, could be emotional to others, right? And I think you just have to be comfortable with the fact that no one's ever going to love you or like you. Um, yeah. So I think it's like important to realize that. And I think 
One more thing I think I read from someone's podcast or I came across I I do listen to a lot of podcasts basically in the form of reels though <laughs> not like a full <laughs> but mainly we're going gonna to start putting out reels for you then <laughs> because it's so consumable right like it's just so easy it's just 30 seconds you got the point move on with your life uh but i think someone had said that you know it's important to realize you're not the main character in everyone's story and i think that's again very powerful right like you know um yeah just focus on yourself because no one else is really looking at you uh people are just so bothered and preoccupied with themselves you know so stay true to yourself post what you want to post do what you want to do and you know automatically people who align with that will come around because you do not want to put in too much of an effort to attract people who don't relate with who you are true because the day you switch uh, because you cannot keep a facade on for too long right you will definitely come back to your true self and the day you do that those other extra people who were there with you for the temporary period are going to leave so you might as well not even go through that right like from the initial part attract people who actually relate to you authentically and move with that yeah ritika you've dropped so many bombs of wisdom onto adam and i and i love to keep on going however as the podcast is coming to an end we'll like to get your thoughts on a quote left by the previous guest and the quote is be yourself in everything you do do not waver in your beliefs what are your thoughts be yourself in everything you do and do not waver in your beliefs yeah i think that's true and i think it's not just self belief it's okay maybe it is self belief but i think it's also believing that others believe in you as well at times i think a lot of us self belief is important 100% but i think uh, to be real a lot of us are social beings right you cannot always self motivate yourself we have the tendency to want to seek some form of motivation or some form of belief from others around us so i would say um even if you may not initially have those people around you but when you do i think just trust that those people also trust you those people also believe in you people may not say it enough but i think just know that as well like you know even when you're a creator or even when you're just like um you know just with your friends or anything just know like read the unspoken we always focus on the negative side of things but why not take it the positive you know a lot of us are like what if it doesn't work out what if they don't like us but why don't we switch the mindset to what if they like us right what if they are rooting for us and i think sometimes our mind influences everything else we do right so even if let's say they're not thinking that but us just surely thinking you know what they believe in me as well and i believe in myself as well you know we all believe in each other i think that's very powerful and strong because what you project to yourself is what you project to others you know and if you are someone who believes in yourself you'll most likely believe in others around you as well and make them likely to do the same for others uh you know so i think it just starts with one person and then passes on to others around them um and yeah i think it's key because without that i think unless you have the confidence that hey i can make it to the finish line no form of therapy no form of motivational book can help you get there unless you yourself are willing to actually like you know pick yourself up and actually walk the distance or run the distance or sprint the distance whatever it is thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode as a grown channel it would be so amazing if you would take one more minute of your day to reshare this episode on any platform you're liking Hope to see you next week.